Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. It is uh, time for Gary on Guns, and I am pleased to tell you that Dale is in. Dale Roberts is, uh, well, his website is mogunlaw.com. Dale, welcome. How are you? Good morning, sir. I'm doing all right. Yeah, and unfortunately, Garson is called Garson and not Chip, because then I could say we got Chip and Dale. Uh, but it is Garson who's on board this morning from Graffs in Mexico, Missouri. Can, can I still wear the fedora and the leather jacket? <laughs> absolutely worth the ride to go down to Graffs because they've got everything. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's uh, just uh, jump right in. Apparently, uh, Beto O'Rourke has been uh, campaigning on an anti-gun message. He was anti-gun, going to take your rifles. Then he wasn't. Now he is again. Uh, and he didn't like the response he got from one of the people listening to him. I'm going to make sure that now 11 weeks since we lost 19 kids and their two teachers shot to death with a weapon originally designed for use in combat, legally purchased by an 18-year-old who did not try to obtain one when he was 16 or 17, but followed the law that's on the books, ladies and gentlemen, that says that you can buy not one, you can buy two or more if you want to, AR-15s, hundreds of rounds of ammunition, wow. and take that weapon that was originally designed for use on the battlefields in Vietnam to penetrate an enemy soldier's helmet at 500 feet and knock him down dead up against kids at five feet. It may be funny to you, motherfucker, but it's not funny to me, okay? Well, I'm assuming he meant that you could buy hundreds of rounds, not that the AR-15 holds hundreds of rounds. Are you sure, Guy? Maybe Graffs has them, and you're you're just misinformed. Oh, let's check in with Garson. Garson, do you have an AR-15 that holds hundreds of rounds? No, you you called me about that like two years ago. There, there's nothing like that. Huh. Well, you know, we just want to check because they're always innovating and updating, and maybe they came up with one that. Yeah, I, unfortunately, know that um, that that's not not it's not possible. It's not possible. I mean, you know, you could you could stack that uh, that that uh, those those rounds in a magazine uh, all the way down to the ground. It would be very long, and then you wouldn't have to hold on to the a dual, a dual action monopod magazine. It, yeah, well, something like that. I don't know, but apparently, it doesn't exist. What was uh, what was uh, interesting was. Uh, him talking about the penetration of this uh, AR-15. Can you imagine any other rifle with the ability to penetrate a helmet at that distance? I, 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 I'm sure that doesn't exist anywhere. Um, yeah, any any standard long action or short action rifle cartridge should do that. Oh, so it's it's not unique to the AR-15. I was going to say any wooden hunting rifle. Or most of them. Well, any plastic hunting rifle, any wooden, any steel, yeah. any 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 old tube gun you build in Japan. But but if it's wooden, it's not threatening. It's just those black plastic guns that are so dangerous. <laughs> they look so awful. <laughs> well, remember in their latest list of uh, banned guns, the SKS wasn't on it, even though that is an actual military weapon and weapon of war, and the Air 15 isn't. Well, see, now you're just giving them ideas, Garson. Uh, now they'll, sorry. Yeah, they'll go after it. I go, well, yeah, Garson pointed out a mistake we made here, and the next thing you know, it gets on the list. Well, I think one of our braver congressmen pointed that out to them directly, and it <laughs> fell on dumb ears. 
<laughs> it certainly does, Lord. Uh, let's see. There, the other thing that's uh, that's uh, in the news uh, is Josh Hawley. Uh, there are things I like about Josh, things that I don't like about Josh. Uh, but when it comes to uh, the Second Amendment, he seems pretty <coughs> damn good. And he uh, had this uh, back and forth with Christopher Ray uh, from the FBI. And there are two observations that I make uh, on this, and I'm sure Dale is going to pick up on it, but we'll we'll play it um, and see what you think. Why is the FBI attempting to audit concealed carry permit records in the state of Missouri? So I, I guess the first thing I would say is we will get you a longer, more detailed uh, and specific response to your letter. Um, I am generally familiar with the kind of audits that we're talking about. So I can give you a little information now, but we will follow up with you in writing uh, to give you a more fulsome answer to your letter. The, the kinds of audits that we're talking about are routine audits that are conducted uh, by our CEGIS division, which also encompasses NICS, among other things. Uh, these are audits that we do not with agents. There are no agents out talking to people. Um, they are routine audits of the system to make sure the system is being used properly, and they do that at the direction of an advisory policy board that is uh, manned with not just FBI agents, frankly, not just federal law enforcement, but state and local law enforcement from all over the country. Uh, and so these audits go on, uh, they look at small samples in order to make sure the system's being used properly. They're not focused on individuals uh, or their uh, Second Amendment rights or anything like that. And in fact, uh, these audits, which go on, as I said, you know, every three years, I think is the cycle. We had one uh, in, in your home state in 2018, for example, and I think it was very uneventful, and I would expect this one to be as well. You're, you're correct that there was one in 2018, and what the sheriffs of Missouri say in 2018 is that the FBI did not request concealed carry records. You are requesting it this year. In the state of Missouri, only the sheriffs have these concealed carry records because Missouri law explicitly forbids concealed carry permit information to be turned over to state officials or to federal officials for reasons that you can surely understand. We've seen recently what's happened in California, for instance, when gun owners are, are exposed, their personal information put out into the public record. So I just want to understand why it is the FBI is now seeking from our sheriffs, and we're talking about multiple sheriffs who have, comment, who have, who have contacted me, who have contacted other state officials, who have spoken to the press, saying that the FBI is now asking for the names of concealed carry permit holders in the state of Missouri. Why is that? If you've not done it before, I don't understand. Well, again, I, I'm going to have to look deeper into to give you a more fulsome answer to your question. Uh, my understanding, my limited understanding uh, as we sit here right now, not having a chance to drill into it more deeply, but is that the uh, that under Missouri state law, checks for concealed carry permits are run using one of those systems that CEGIS administers. So in order to be able to determine that the system is being used properly, consistent with the audit, consistent with the direction of the advisory policy board, I think that may explain the answer. But so, again, okay. let, me, let me follow up with you so in you, more detail in writing. Okay, so you can confirm, though, it sounds like you're saying that indeed the FBI is asking for, for records, because you just said that would be the reason for requesting this information. I, I don't know that for a fact, but that's what I've heard that may be part of, may explain the disconnect, but I'm not sure. Well, heard from whom? You say you've heard. Heard from your agents or 
heard from from, from people within our organization. Yes, and okay. I'm trying to. As I'm trying to, in the middle of everything else, trying to unpack what exactly is going on with the the dust up over this particular audit. Well, you say in the middle of everything else. You can understand, I hope, why this would be of significance to the people of Missouri. Absolutely, and that's why I've committed to you that we will make sure we get you a detailed response in writing. What 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 could you possibly be doing? I mean, with the personal information of these individuals. Let me ask it this way: Are you doing this in other states as well? Are you going to other states and asking for concealed uh, records, concealed to carry permit records in other states too, or is it just Missouri? I know we are doing audits, these routine audits in some other states, but I don't know. I think it's a function of different state laws as to what exactly is within scope in terms of the use of the system. Well, why are you asking for it now from the state of Missouri, from our sheriffs, when you didn't ask for it in the past? Again, I'm going to have to get more information to be able to provide you a written response to your letter. D what what steps would the FBI take to make sure the information remains private if you're able to obtain it from these sheriffs all across Missouri? Uh, again, I'm the same answer. I really want to be careful not to um, speak when I don't have all the facts. Okay, so you're not going to answer my questions. Well, um, uh, no, I am going to answer your question. We're just well, you're not answer answering them not now. Not here, because I don't have the answer. <laughs> well, because you're under oath and because you're not prepared to answer them. I'm disappointed, frankly. I, I sent you this letter days ago. This has been on your radar screen. The Attorney General of our state sent you a letter before that. Um, you've known about this. This is of significant concern. It directly affects Missouri state law. You can understand the position. You've praised your local law enforcement partners earlier today, Director. You're putting them in a terrible position in the state of Missouri. State law says they cannot turn over these personal records. The sheriffs cannot. You are asking them to. Apparently, in an unprecedented fashion, they've not been asked this before. I want to know what in the world you're doing with this. And frankly, I don't like the fact that the FBI is snooping around the concealed carry permit records of Missourians. I don't like it at all. I don't know what you want to do with it. I don't know what you're going to do with the information. But I don't like that you're putting our sheriffs in this position. And I'm disappointed that you're not ready to answer my questions. All right. So I have two observations here. And I'll run these past Dale uh, because he is, of course, the, uh, the attorney on staff here at Gary on Guns. Uh, and, uh, and I'll see what he has to say about this. But the first thing I notice is that Christopher Ray knew these questions were coming and didn't bring answers and then said that he would bring answers on paper. We'll get into that in just a few minutes. You are listening to Gary on Gun. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. And uh, I'm pleased to tell you that Garson is in from Graffs in Mexico, Missouri. And uh, we've also uh, got uh, Dale Roberts, MoGunLaw.com. And we just listened a, a few seconds ago, if you just turned the radio on, uh, because uh, there was uh, an interaction between uh, Josh Hawley and Christopher Ray, Senator Hawley wanting to know why suddenly uh, the uh, FBI is looking at concealed carry permits issued in the state of Missouri. So there are a couple of uh, observations I made. One is that, and, and I'll go right to Dale on this, one is that uh, Christopher Ray knew this was coming. Uh, because Senator Hawley had sent him information asking him about this, and because the Attorney General also uh, from the state of Missouri sent him information asking about this. And his response essentially was, I'll send it to you. I'll send you the information. And then Hawley points out that if he answers now, he's under oath. And I'm just wondering if that's not you know, code for, I believe you're going to lie to me, and if you lie to me in an email, you're not under oath. Does that does that make sense, Dale? Absolutely. I, I, you know, the two issues you've identified, 
he has the temerity to show up for a Senate hearing unprepared uh, by accident or on purpose. Um, and then he doesn't want to answer anything un publicly and or under oath. Uh, you know, and I, if he sends it in a letter later, it's not under oath. And it doesn't have the same impact if I go to the media and say, I have a letter from somebody that says something as opposed to me playing a soundbite where Christopher Ray says, we're after your guns. So, as I say, he doesn't want to say it publicly. He doesn't want to say it under oath. And he's un unprepared or unwilling to answer the questions. Yeah, that's what scares me. Now, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and either one of you can jump in on this, uh, as the result of Governor Nixon, legislation was passed in the state of Missouri that, that prohibits <coughs> sheriff's deputies from sharing this information uh, with the federal government or anybody else. Am I right about that? Who wants I, to jump? Well, I remember that, and I don't remember how much the governor had to do with that, but the um, Department of Revenue used to handle permits along with our driver's license, and uh, in... 2013, I think, Department of Revenue uh, released all the data on permit holders in Missouri, gave it to the Highway Patrol, who gave it to Social Security, who gave it to the ATF or the FBI. And Senator Kurt Schaefer and Congressman Blaine Luchtemeyer both jumped on that, uh, issued subpoenas to find out what happened, held hearings, and the final result, as you said, um, a statute was passed. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure Kurt Schaefer filed this. Uh, it's 571.500. And it's one long sentence that just says no state agency or department can release uh, permit information, can release or develop any database of firearms, ammunitions, or permits that an individual possesses. So it's against the law to release it. Kurt Schaefer should be appointed the next attorney general, I'm just saying, in the state of Missouri. But this all was, uh, this was preceded by Governor Nixon uh, making all of that information available. Uh, they even uh, took all the cameras from the uh, um, DMV and, and bashed them up and then uh, put in cameras that could be used for facial wreck. Um, and, and I think it was... You know, all of this was based on his action to get that information and make it available uh, to the federal government. And if, if I'm not mistaken, they allege that it was encoded and nobody was able to uh, to actually read it. Uh, I'm not sure I believe that, but that's what they said. Well, and the funny thing, when you, when you go look at the record, um, the... FBI, I think it was, said, we got that information and we destroyed it when we received it, which just, you know, why would they ask for information and then when they receive it, go, look, we got what we wanted. Let's destroy it right away. <laughs> come, in, come on. Garson, it is terrifying when you're when you can't trust your own government. You know, you expect them to always be honest with you. And they turn around and lie to you repeatedly, and then you can't trust them no matter what they say. Yeah, I don't know when I've ever trusted our government, so I'm kind of confused by your question. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, the point was that you should be able to trust them, but they lie so much that you can't... If they admitted they were lying, you wouldn't trust them. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's it's insane. I mean, it's it it's it's a multi-headed snake, and I I know of no snake wrangler who can who can tame a multi-headed snake like that. It uh, makes me wonder if anybody who has grown up post Watergate ever trusted the government in the first place. <laughs> Somebody uh, Garson's age. Let's see. Uh, Michael says I'm a non-combat vet, and I'm not aware of AR-15s being issued to our army or any other. Am I wrong? Well, you know, essentially the AR-15 um, is mechanically identical, save for the full auto. Am I right, Garson, that the military uh, use? Uh, essentially, yes. Um, so there's there's some material and and design features that are absent on a lot of civilian rifles. So, but it does. It really doesn't make a difference because uh, practically any hunting rifle you can think of has the same capacity uh, to inflict harm if it's used incorrectly, if it's pointed at a person. Same, if not greater. I mean, in 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 the grand scheme of things, in rifle cartridges, the five five six or two twenty three Remington is about as small as you can get. It's about as small as you can get. But yeah, if I'm I mean, not mistaken, it's, it's, I'm not a military genius, and somebody listening to us right now who is may call in. But I thought that the the goal was even less to kill the the opponent uh, and more to wound them. Yeah. So the original bullet design was supposed to you know wound and incapacitate so it would take you know shooting one person would take two or three people out of the fight instead of just one person and i wonder if the caller or the person who texted in's question or point was that you know when you join the military go through basic training go through your technical training it's not as if the military goes you know here's your here's your rifle i mean they don't just hand those out they don't issue those when I was in the military, I wasn't just issued a gun to hang on to. That, and that may have been his point. They really don't issue those, but I. it's been a long time since I've been on active duty. But the people that are issued rifles weren't issued AR-15s. They were issued M-16s yes. in one form or another. And, and they are definitely mechanically uh, different uh, in that they... They can at least give you a, a burst uh, as opposed to one round at a time. Yeah, at, at minimum, the fire control group is completely different. So it is and it isn't is, is the best answer you can give. Uh, but I might point out... Well, I mean, they, that they, share, they share parts and design features, but they share parts and design features with lots of other guns. Yeah, and, and as for uh, Dale's uh, observation about when he was in the military... There's a big difference between the flintlocks they were issuing then <laughs> and uh, the rifles they've been issuing since. I should have known. Since. Yeah, I couldn't help it. Well, it's only because Gary was there and he had the old uh, spears. <laughs> uh, kids, I hate them. All right, we gotta, we're up against the clock. Quick break. You're listening to Gary on Gun. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us and glad to be with you. In studio is uh, Dale Roberts, MoGunLaw.com. And uh, Garson is in from Graphs, and uh, eventually we're going to get to my favorite part of the show, the show-and-tell part. Uh, and we'll see what Garson brought in. In the meantime, uh, we've been uh, talking about a whole host of things. It's been a kind of a fast half hour. 
Uh, but the last uh, point that we were chatting about was uh, AR-15s in the military. Uh, and uh, we've, I think, concluded that the, uh, the AR-15 is significantly different, though it does have a lot of similarities. Um, and we talked about the lethality of the round. Uh, and uh, to that end, I think Dave uh, has a, a comment that he'd like to make, so I'm going to go to the phones. Dave, welcome. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. How are you doing, Gary? Hey, I'm just a little triggered, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> I was an ordinance. Sure. I was an ordinance officer, ammo in the army. Um, no weapon in the United States military was designed to wound only. The problem is they normally start talk about wound characteristics, so people who are unfamiliar look at it and misinterpret that. The other thing is, is they're using the divide and conquer with this whole weapons of war nonsense. The Remington Model 8 came out in 1905, two years after the Wright brothers flew. It was the first commercial semi-automatic weapon, I won't say sporting. It was used by everybody. Kalishnikov used it as a basis of his design for the AK. That weapon is much more powerful than an AR-15. It was used by the French military. We had Winchester lever guns used by the Russians and by other people. There really has never been a differentiation between weapons of war and sporting weapons. That's a modern myth. United States American citizens have always had access to weapons of war. Well, we're supposed to. We're supposed to be as well armed as the government. Because we're supposed to be able to rein them in if they become tyrannical, which, frankly, I think and they it, have. It, it, to, to paraphrase St. Clarence Thomas, that history is not there. So hopefully going forward, we can not take care of this nonsense. So, Dave, it's a myth that uh, they wanted to wound uh, more than kill on the battlefield? If you were, if, let me give you an example. If you were a ranger or a SEAL or a paratrooper dropping into enemy lines, and you're going to go into imminent contact in extreme grave danger, and I hand you a weapon and say, hey, this is designed just to wound people. What are you going to do? Yeah, I see. Your look point's at, well made. The Medal, of, the Medal of Honor rules are full of people who took a upper torso hit with a main battle rifle and then became immortal. All right. The whole wounding nonsense is nice for cops, but it doesn't work in the military. All right, Dave, thank you for all the clarification. Uh, glad to have you on Gary on Guns. Uh, maybe we ought to make Dave a regular on the program with his background. That would be neat. Uh, any other comment on that, or shall we move on? You're the boss. Oh, the silence is, uh, is uh, almost unbearable. <laughs> uh, John Lott sent me a text message uh, earlier this week about the FBI, and his assertion is, that they purposely miscount the number of people who stop a mass shooter, an active shooter. And well, we've uh, known that, huh? We've known that. Well, he he explains, and and he's not alone too. He he, he quotes Theo Wold, former acting assistant attorney general uh, in the U.S. Department of Justice. So much he he said of our public understanding of this issue is malformed by this single agency. When the Bureau gets it so systematically and persistently wrong, the cascading effect is incredibly deleterious. The FBI exerts considerable influence over state and local law enforcement and policymakers at all levels of government. 
And what uh, what John uh, points out is uh, the Bureau reports that only 11 of 252 active shooter incidents it identified for the period of 2014 to 2021 were stopped by an armed citizen. But an analysis by his organization identified 281 active shooter incidents uh, during that same period and found that 41 of them were stopped by an armed citizen. That is, the FBI reports 4.4% of active shooter incidents thwarted by armed citizens. Well, uh, the uh, CPRC, uh, which is uh, John Lott's group, found 146 And the reason for the discrepancy, uh, one, miscal- uh, misclassified shootings, uh, and two, overlooked incidents. According to the uh, former CPRC, uh, they determined that the FBI reports had misclassified five shootings. In two incidents, the Bureau notes in its detailed write-up that the citizen possessing valid firearm permits confronted the shooters, caused them to flee the scene. However, the cases weren't listed as being stopped by an armed citizen because the attackers were later apprehended by police. In two other incidents, the FBI misidentified armed uh, civilians as armed security personnel In one incident, uh, the FBI simply failed to mention the citizen engagement at all. Uh, The Bureau's report about the December 29, 2019 attack on the West Freeway Church of uh, Christ in uh, White Settlement, Texas, that left two men dead, doesn't list this as an incident of civic engagement because the perpetrator was fatally shot by a parishioner who had volunteered to provide security during worship. That man, Jack Wilson, uh, told Real Clear Investigations he was not a security professional. He said 19 of 20 members of the congregation were armed that day. They didn't even keep track of who was carrying a concealed weapon. Uh, And the list goes on and on and on. Are they doing this on purpose, Garson? Well, sure. It's like when they redefined a mass shooting to count any shooting that involved, like, two or more people or something. Uh, Four or more people. Thank you, Dale. Um, so they've lowered the standard to count what classifies as a mass shooting, but then when they go to, you know, try and skew the data, they leave out everything that doesn't work. They find another way to classify that data so they can emit it from their results and make their results match what they want to further their agenda. It's, um, apparently there are other cases like, uh, where uh, somebody is trying to sell drugs and it, it turns out to be a, a big melee. melee. Uh, they don't count those things. Uh, they really um, seem almost hell-bent on making it look as though concealed carry permit holders don't really stop. You know, the good guy with a gun doesn't really stop yeah. the bad guy with a gun. Well, it's like this guy that um, shot the guy with a shotgun at this brawl. Um, last week, is that going to get classified as a mass shooting, or some a self a, a good guy with a gun stopping somebody that was going to commit a mass shooting, or not? Since no one was actually shot, but the person that was threatening to shoot everybody. Yeah, it, it's it's bizarre the way they do this. A uh, message from John. He sent it to uh, to me via GaryNolan.com. Good morning, Gary. I love the show. Just want to point out. That post-Vietnam era, the U.S. military moved to uh, M16-M4 platform that only provides semi-automatic and three-round burst as an option. 
Statistical data from Vietnam showed excessive use of ammunition with high levels of inaccuracy while using fully automatic option. When I served in the U.S. Army Infantry from 2000 to 2012, we always focused on target identification and use of the semi-automatic function. Three-round burst might be used in close combat ambush situation. Well, um, that still is a difference. Um, and it wouldn't make any difference because hunting rifles have much the same capacity. They just don't look as bad. And I think that's really what they're after. It's just, it's the look. I, I would love to get somebody like uh, Robert Francis O'Rourke on the program uh, and have him try and defend his positions against anybody who knows anything about firearms. In the meantime, we're up against the clock, but we have uh, a couple more things we want to talk about. It's back. In fact, how about armed homeowners who end up firing on intruders and end a home invasion before it begins? That's next on Gary on Guns. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Uh, Garson is in from Graffs in Mexico, Missouri. Uh, they sell all over the world, frankly. Uh, if you're into reloading, there is no place better. Uh, I've taken a tour of their uh, warehouse. and uh, In fact, uh, there were two of us, and I was trying to uh, kind of play uh, stump the host, and I couldn't, I couldn't come up with a shell that they didn't have. Um, so they are the place to go for that, for uh, ammo, for firearms, whether it's a pistol or a rifle or a shotgun. They got it all. Targets. Great store. Uh, well worth the ride. Also on board with us, Dale Roberts. He is an attorney. He is uh, the host of uh, MoGunLaw.com on the World Wide Web. And if you've got a question about uh, the law, he's the guy to talk to. Uh, are you getting a lot of people, by the way, before I get into this, homeowner, uh, Dale, that have had uh, some infraction and trying to get their records uh, cleared uh, so they can get a concealed carry permit or buy a firearm uh, legally? Yes. Uh, are, are, yes. And uh, interestingly, I get a, a number, I've had a number of referrals from legislators who contact me and say, you know, I got a call from a constituent. He had a, a an, inf an offense expunged. He still can't buy a gun. You know, can you help him? Um, and the problem is Missouri's expungement law is not recognized by the federal government. And I kind of understand why. It's, it's got some problematic language in it. Is there anybody trying to fix the problematic language? We, we started to work on it this last session. Um, and, of course, there, was, there were other things happening last session, and it was hard to really get anything done. So I've had a couple of legislators commit to work with me again in the next session to try and get that corrected. It's one, you know, expungement, legal definition of expungement means to obliterate and destroy. And the Missouri statute on expungement says, you know, we'll make this go away like it never happened, but we're going to keep a copy of it so that if you get in trouble again, we can use it as, you know, this is another offense. So the feds look at that and go, well, you obviously didn't expunge it if you're keeping a copy. And it, sadly, I think they're, in this case, the federal government's right and the statute needs to be changed. 
You know, it's it's too bad we don't have Chuck Basie uh, around in the legislature in the next term because he'd be he'd be one of the guys that would jump in on that and help. He did he did try to get that done this last session. I'm going to miss him so much. He, Eric Burleson, and and Jared Taylor, the two who pushed SAPA through. Um, Sarah Walsh, quite a few people are going to be gone. I'm really going to miss them. Speaking of, yeah, you got to you got to cultivate a whole new crew. Um, speaking of Chuck Basie, uh, he hadn't been here in, in uh, two uh, two weeks. Um, he's got to stop all that extracurricular activity. Wouldn't that be six weeks? He, he has an obligation to be here because we don't pay him anything. <laughs> well, it was tough. It was a difficult decision, I know. It was either be here early in the morning or spend a couple of days with all his fellow legislators in Branson. And he chose them over us? Golfing and, and, and you know, social events. I know, I couldn't understand I, it. Yeah, it's, it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, we're just going to have to nick his credit card, 25 bucks uh, for each uh, session that he, meet, that he misses. In the meantime, a would-be home invasion in the Hollywood Hills ended before it could begin. This was Wednesday. Homeowners welcomed the intruders with bullets. The incident occurred around 2.30 in the morning. L.A. police uh, responded to the residence where they determined a person inside the home opened fire on multiple people who were attempting entry. At least one suspect might have been wounded. Uh, so this brings to mind, what do you do? Uh, do you keep your gun Teach in a gun safe on better. the night's Huh? Teach that dude to shoot better. <laughs> wow. Carson. Uh, do you keep your firearm uh, in one of those uh, gun safes? You know, there are several of them that you can get where you can open them pretty quickly. Um, you can mount them to the side of your bed or on the nightstand. Uh, you put your fingers on the right buttons the right way and they open up. And it's, there's some pretty simple to, to, to uh, open devices. Do you do that, or do you just keep it on the nightstand? What What is your uh, your uh, feeling on that, Carson? Is it better to leave it out where you can grab it real quickly? I do not have any children in my home, so I do not keep my um, active weapons secured in any way. So, it, it yeah, you don't have to worry about kids. Uh, Dale, does that make sense to you, too? It does, it does indeed, and I, and I think I do the same thing as Carson. I've got a safe, but I always have a weapon readily available when I'm at home. And, I, you know, I don't have kids. I don't have friends who have kids. But you don't even don't have friends. Have I mean, yeah, yeah. You're, you're completely <laughs> my, safe. My nieces and nephews are old enough, are all in their, you know, 30s. The so dogs don't have thumbs. The dog, my dogs don't get into them. <laughs> um, but I, I, I'm very cognizant of what I have and where it is. I have... Uh, a friend who occasionally is over with his daughter and granddaughter, and I certainly you know make sure everything's uh, secured when they're there. But otherwise, I always have something readily available. Yeah, my wife and I have the same uh, mentality about that, and we don't have kids, uh, so no. uh, we. I'm sorry. No. No. <laughs> oh, there's a word I could use right now. That wasn't uh, me, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, I don't, I don't let the cat in the bedroom. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, yeah, because I can't stand the cat. But anyway, um, they uh, the 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 thought is it's just us, and we you know we're not worried about uh, at night in the middle of the night. The only 
the only thing that we had to do is, uh, you know, really concentrate on, we both have guns. If we hear a noise, we got to make sure the other one's still in the bed. Um, and that's, you know, that's something people ought to think about. If, if two people in the, in the home have a firearm, make sure you know where the other person is. Absolutely. You don't want Gwen popping you one in, in the middle of the night when you get up to get a drink of water? Yeah, I can't even shoot back. I mean, she's a better shot than me. I'd be <laughs> dead before I knew it. it, it it's, it's a risk that I, I don't want to take. But uh, anyway, that's what happened here. It was in the middle of the night, 2.30 in the morning, uh, and they were able to uh, repel the bad guys uh, because they had a gun that was handy. Uh, and if you don't have kids, if you did have kids in the house, would you use one of those uh Table uh, uh, nightstand safes. Carson? Yeah, I, I would. I would have some kind of quick access safe. They're pretty. They're they really have some uh, pretty easy to use if you know the code uh, safes that you can put on your nightstand. Yeah, they're pretty impressive. Hornady even has one that has like a clock radio built into it. Really? Yeah, I was like, that's actually kind of cool. A clock radio built. I haven't seen that. It's something that you should absolutely do, but at the same time, I think back to when I was a kid, and you know there were guns around uh, my my in my brother's home. You know he had firearms, you know, in the gun rack or wherever, and he made sure that we knew because I was much younger than my brother. My firearms are loaded; don't touch them, and we and we didn't. I mean, you just you just didn't do that. But I guess nowadays, yeah. Well, my grandpa somebody, did the same thing. We knew Grandpa had guns. We knew where they were, and if we were touching them when he didn't give us permission, it was our it was our behind. Yeah, but I guess nowadays being told not to do something is doesn't carry the same weight. Well, I think part of the difference is uh, you're exposed to it, and these kids today are generally not. Uh, the schools don't want to teach Eddie Eagle, uh, which would be I think a great lifesaver for a lot of these kids. There's just such a strong. Uh, on the left, anti-gun mentality that uh, these kids don't even, they, they don't even know what to do if they find a gun, much less how to safely uh, uh, get away from it all. Those Listen, uh, we got show and tell coming up next on the Gary on Gun Show.